When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to The Sherlock's Podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. Welcome to the Sherlock Success Stories with me, Charlotte Collins. Today I'm joined by Shiza Shahid. She is the co-founder of Our Place, a lifestyle brand offering ethically made and toxin-free cookware. The brand's signature Always Pan, launched back in July 2021, is a multifunctional pan that combines eight pieces of cookware in one, and the newly released Always Pan 2.0 now replaces 10 pieces of cookware. Following a collaboration with Selena Gomez earlier this summer, our place is now stocked in Selfridges, Harrods and Liberty and has a host of celebrity fans, including Oprah Winfrey, Cameron Diaz and Joe Wicks. Shizza joins me today to chat business, secrets to success and more. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Charlotte. So nice to have you. Shizza, I mean, it's I feel like that intro doesn't even do justice to what a phenomenon your brand has been. It feels, to me at least, like a complete overnight success. Like all of a sudden, everyone was seeing these pans, this pan, the one pan mm. everywhere. So can you just start from the beginning? Tell me where did the idea come from and what did you do about it? The idea for our place was really to build a kitchenware brand that was rooted in culture, that was rooted in sustainability and wellness, and that made it easier to cook. I'm an immigrant, my partner is an immigrant, and cooking food, having people over to our home, sharing food with new friends that became chosen family is a big place of how we found our place. And we wanted to build a brand that celebrated that. With the products specifically, whether the Always Pan or a Perfect Pot or now our dinnerware collection or our linens collection, if we wanted to make cooking easier, we had to design products that are multifunctional, that are easy to use, that are joyful. When I was at university, I remember the experience of wanting to cook and walking into a kitchenware store and being handed a 16-piece cookware set that I had no room for. And those types of experiences really got us thinking, why don't we design products that are actually multifunctional, that are sustainably made and sourced? And the more that we dug into the category, the more we understood that there was so much room for improvement. One of the issues that our place has been very passionate about is non-toxic products. Most non-stick pans today contain what are known as PTFEs, the brand name commonly known as Teflon. Uh, They're colloquially referred to as forever chemicals because they never break down. They don't break down in your body. They don't break down in the environment. One of the largest pollutants in the world. We wanted to design healthier and more sustainable alternatives to forever chemicals. And that's really what inspired us to start designing products in this way. And then finally, like a great pair of yoga pants that inspires you to work out, we believe that when our products are beautiful, when they're designed to be put out and kept out on your countertops, you're more likely to cook. So beautiful color, beautiful aesthetics are also a big part of what the brand does. 
So what was your background kind of, is there a time scale? That was at university where you first had the idea. What were you doing in between and what led you to actually finally taking the plunge? I've taken some pivots and turns in, in my life. I think for me, the through line in my career has really been wanting to make a difference. I grew up in Pakistan. I grew up at a time when women in my country were rising up and speaking out for their rights to go to school, to work, to have freedoms. I was fortunate to move to the United States when I was 18 on a full scholarship to Stanford University. And when I was there, I, I realized that if I wanted to make a difference, business and startups was one really powerful way to do that. I took my first job out of college at McKinsey, the business consulting firm, thought I would get my business training there, go to business school, get my resume nice and full before one day I built my own thing. But the universe had other plans and I was just a year into my time at McKinsey when my friend Malala Yousafzai was shot by the Taliban for wanting to go to school. And that, that really turned my world upside down and I knew I wanted to help and to be of service. So I quit my job at 22, moved to New York, uh, co-founded the Malala Fund with Malala and her father, Ziauddin, was founding CEO, learned very quickly how to become an entrepreneur, how to build a nonprofit, how to share a story that inspired people to act and make a difference. And from there, I knew I wanted to bring that same sensibility of mission and purpose back into the business world. And that's really where this idea for Our Place came about. And about Four years ago, at the end of 2019, my co-founders and I launched Our Place, and it's been an exciting journey since then. God, I mean, so much, so many questions. C can we talk about Malala a little bit and your involvement with that fund? What was that process like, kind of going from hearing this terrible thing that had happened to her to setting up the fund? How did, kind of, what were the mechanics of that? Yeah, um, a lot of questions, right? Really knowing that, even though I hadn't done this before, I was surrounded by really smart people mm. who also wanted to help. And if I just asked enough questions, I could get to the right answer. Something that I continue to do today. When you're building anything, you're not going to have all the answers. Mm. There's probably not even always people who've ever done the exact thing you're doing before. So you are creating from scratch. You are inventing. But if you trust your instincts and ask people enough questions and surround yourself with people who have also lived different experiences, who've also built things, you'll probably get close enough to the answer. Mm -hmm. So it was 22 years old when I started and served as founding CEO. And I had never set up a 501c3, a nonprofit in the US. I'd never known how to get a logo designed or um, raise money from philanthropists. But we had a mission that was really clear and we spoke to that and that drew people in. And eventually we put one foot ahead of the next and were able to set up an organization that now has a huge impact in the world. That's amazing. What Can you talk a little bit about what, what the Malala Fund does, what the impact it is? Yeah, the Malala Fund helps girls around the world access an education with a specific focus on secondary schooling. And that includes everything from investing in the other Malalas, other bold change makers, leaders around the world, working to help girls in some of the most vulnerable communities around the world 
access and education, telling their stories, amplifying their stories, and also really working at the policy change level, pushing for more investment in girls' education at the highest level. Awesome. Let's go back to our place. So it's 2019. You mentioned co-founders. How did that journey begin? How did you find your co-founders? How did you decide it was time to take the leap? What happened? Well, my first co-founder is my husband. Um, He's also my co-CEO. And uh, we both were passionate about food, about culture, about inclusion. And uh, we decided to team up. And then we were introduced to our third co-founder, Zach. Um, And he's our chief people officer. And we always knew that at the end of the day, what mattered most in our success was building a great team and investing in our culture. If we can do that, if we can attract the best talent and row in the same direction around a shared mission, everything else falls into place. So we wanted to launch with our shared skill sets and bring that together to the table Uh, My husband and I uh, initially bootstrapped the business. Uh, We put in our savings. And then we came up with the first idea for the Always Pan. It was actually my husband's intuition um, based on what we'd observed around all this clutter in the industry, 16-piece cookware sets, lots of pots and pans that nobody needed. Um, And the insight was let's take the Venn diagram of all of these different very specific shapes and sizes and where they intersect let's create a new kind of cookware item Um, and so we literally decided it had to be shallow enough to flip an egg but deep enough to fit an entire chicken and that's how you get that iconic domed lid that the always pan and now our perfect pod and the rest of our cookware is really known for It's become this beautiful aesthetic thing, but it really was a functional choice to give the product more height so that we could keep the base shallow. Uh, We spent about a year and a half uh, just designing that very first product uh, and then launched in September of 2019 with um, one type of pan, one type of plate, one type of bowl, and one type of glass that we designed sort of the very basics that you needed, but taking them to the next level and designing them more beautifully and thoughtfully. I'm particularly fascinated by the pan because that's the, that's the game changing product more. I mean, all of it is, you know, innovative, but, but that's the kind of, that's the one that's gone so viral, right? How did that design process come about? Who did you rope in? How did you even know where to start? And I'd also love to know about the material, the non-toxic materials. How did you begin your research around that? And how did you eventually land on what you ended up using? Yeah, well, it initially came from us. Um, We did a lot of research in the category. And so we came in with a really strong vision for the product. Um, And it started with sketching, literally pieces of paper, sketching designs, Uh, We knew we wanted to work with cast aluminum as a material because it is very lightweight and it's very heat conductive. Uh, We also knew that with cast aluminum, we could achieve a more intricate and sturdy design than what was on the market. We then started to really dive into um, how we could create a coating that was truly non-toxic. So most coatings today contain what are known as PTFEs, If you have bought cookware at another um, brand, you can 
typically go into their FAQs. It's not advertised, but it's there. Um, or you can reach out and say, do you use PTFEs in your cookware? Um, and you'll realize that most brands are still using PTFEs. They're known as forever chemicals. They don't break down easily. There's evidence that if the material overheats in your home, you'll experience flu-like symptoms. There's evidence that if the material overheats, it can kill small birds. So we actually get a lot of people writing in who own birds, uh, just double-checking. <laughs> and it's also very harmful for the environment and the workers who handle those materials. Why is that the kind of commonplace material that people use? Because it's easy and cheap, right? right? And so it, it is really sort of a case of corporate greed. Mm -hmm. A chemical that used to be used, which is also within this family of forever chemicals, is PFOAs. So that was the base of the nonstick coating a few decades ago. And that was shown to have a very direct links to cancer. And after a lot of lawsuits and class action, uh, that one was finally banned. And there's a lot of regulation in the works to ban all PFAS, but there's always lobbying from business interests. Um, so it's really important that consumers be aware there are much better alternatives. So we created what is known as a ceramic nonstick. That's what we use. And since then, we've been continuing to develop new versions that last longer and that are easier to use. So our work really is to develop and provide our community and consumers the longest lasting, highest quality, non-toxic coating options. We've also introduced cast iron as a material. Um, and that's a material of our always pan that comes with a, a lifetime guarantee. Um, so educating consumers what material to use for how they're cooking and also for their, their, their health, their wellness and their sustainability concerns. Did you rope in scientists to help you develop? Um, we worked with scientists. We worked um, with chemists. Uh, we now have an incredible product design team um, in-house uh, product design, engineering, industrial design, supply chain, sourcing, uh, compliance, testing, innovation, R&D. And then we have about 40 partners around the world that work on our products with us. So yes, absolutely. You know, started with that initial vision of better for you, better for the environment, better to cook with. And then from there, brought in the very best people and Folks were inspired by this new way of doing things. So we were able to attract great talent and retain great talent. You mentioned before that when your husband and yourself brought on your co-founder, you each lent into your various strengths. What mm -hmm. were your strengths that you brought to the initial stages of the business? I think my strength is in building community and in building mission and impact. And I think that is ultimately what it comes down to. Because shared mission, shared purpose, shared meaning, that is critical to the success of a startup. Building a startup is the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life, and I don't shy away from doing hard things. The sense of knowing why we're doing it and who we're doing it for and doing it together is what continues to drive us. So you develop the products. Mm -hmm. How quickly did you launch? Did you launch with an MVP? Did you, I mean, you've got those four items all together. How much kind of tweaking went into it? Or did you just say, screw it, let's just go? We worked on the Always Pan for over two years before we launched the company. So uh, prior to September 2019, we had been working on our place for over two years. 
and it it took a very very long time to develop it's it's not an easy product it's very technical there's a lot of chemistry and science and engineering involved and so two years before we launched the product and then as soon as we launched we started working on the new version because once we were able to get in feedback and you know overall the feedback was really positive but of course we were constantly talking to our customers learning what we could do better we wanted to start working on the next generation and that's something that we do as a brand is when we develop products we're immediately gathering feedback and then working on that next version that next generation and also incorporating the advancements in science and technology in the category so what did putting it out there look like? Where did you go? How did you begin? What was the retail journey? Well, first we needed capital and that was hard. We started out bootstrapped and then we started trying to raise money and probably got a hundred rejections. This was... Where did you go to? Sorry, who were you trying to raise money angel from? Angel investors, mm-hmm. venture investors. And, you know, this was a category that no one had really innovated in and... There was a lot of a lot of no's, a lot of rejection, um, and that we were able to pull together a small angel round of capital and and go. Um, and when we launched, it really was building our website, putting the product out there, uh, creating a set of ambassadors, creators who we could gift the product to, so they could genuinely try it. And then tell their community if, if they liked it. Um, then as we started to get more traffic to our website, building our own email list and our organic social, we launched just with an Instagram. Now we have Instagram and TikTok. At the time we had Instagram, now we have Instagram and TikTok. And so getting that organic traffic through word of mouth, through referrals, uh, we then went and started to speak to press. We got a little mention in the New York Times, and then it started to grow from there. Uh, And then from there, we really started to uh, look at how we could advertise. And a a lot of it was digital, leveraging the power of e-commerce, of the internet, because you could start small and grow from there. Uh, But it really was this very organic approach to launching and, and getting the product into as many hands as we could, because we knew that once people used it, tried it, they would then share, they would then refer. We also were very clear that we wanted to be part of the community from day one. So working with nonprofit partners, we've now donated over a million meals, um, including working with uh, the Felix Project here in the UK. Um, Also creating events, programming in our communities, uh, working with chefs, co-hosting book launches, Uh, talking about issues that affected our community from food justice to um, mental health. And so really creating a brand that wasn't just a business, but that was a part of the community that we were building. Influencer marketing strategy, that was obviously, I mean, 2019, that was kind of, you know, I suppose, an obvious way to get your product out there. How did you approach that what were you looking for and how has that changed as you've grown and become so well known? When we started our place and were working with influencers, we were, I think, the first brand that wasn't only gifting to chefs. 
we really had this belief and, and still do that is that everyone is a chef. You know, if you if you have a stomach, if you eat, you're mm-hmm. a home cook. And yes, that can sometimes mean an elaborate meal, but also reheating takeout or frying an egg. It all counts. We wanted to make cooking feel less intimidating. And so we worked with artists and dancers and uh, activists and decorators and, um, you know, people who were talking about their culture, their traditions, and we worked with chefs and home cooks. Um, And so that gave us a wider community to be speaking to. And we weren't competing for the same chefs that every other brand was, was reaching out to. Rather, we could speak through the lens of moms and dads and friends and grandparents. And what we also wanted... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. To make sure was that our, our influencer community represented our community, that diversity and inclusion was core to our approach, um, and that we were building longer-term partnerships. So not just gifting one-off, but really developing personal relationships and doing more and more with our influencers and really treating them as, as friends and ambassadors. I feel like many brands these days take that approach, but that's quite innovative for four years ago. Where did that approach come from, that that kind of casting a wider net? I said, where did the inspiration for that come from? I think it came very directly from our brand's mission. We weren't walking in to tell the same story that brands had been telling in this space. Every other brand wants to tell you how sharp their knives are or how many plies are in their cookware. And our knives are sharp, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can talk about product performance all day, but we wanted to talk about the why behind cooking. And for us, the why behind cooking is about connection. It's about reconnecting to your body, your health, your food systems, your family, your community, your traditions, your culture. And that story needed to be told from a range of perspectives. We were also creating collections that celebrated culture from day one. We have what we call our tradition wear collections. So a month after we launched, we created a collection for Noche Buena, And then a month after that, we created a collection for Lunar New Year. And communities were seeing their traditions represented for the first time. And that came from us wanting to see our traditions represented. So I think it just created the sense of this brand is very different. Mm -hmm. 
and it's here to participate in a conversation that we've all been wanting to have, food is inherently connected to culture, right? You can't talk about anything, any kind of food without talking about where it comes from, who, who grew it, who taught us to cook in this way. So it was just a conversation that was very long overdue in this industry. That's so, I'm just sat here thinking about myself. I mean, I'm Jewish. The idea, if somebody showed me a Rosh Hashanah dinner in a, in a, and how to cook it all in one, I mean, I would be sold. Just, like, you need our my, Shabbat collection. I need it. There's we a Shabbat have, there's collection. There's a Shabbat collection. It's a, we created a Shabbat collection to honor Jewish culture. Yeah. I love Shabbat. I um, have had the honor of being invited <laughs> to some Shabbats, and I think it's such a beautiful tradition. So we created this beautiful baking sheet mm. um, in a beautiful teal color. And we worked with Jewish artists to create a gorgeous challah cover that oh, it that comes with. So happy. And I these two that. candles. So we have to send you those. Please. I mean, um, it's, it's so crazy. What was, like when you think about food in particular, like if you're from a minority culture, you know that that is the kind of mm -hmm. the core of everything. But yeah. you're so right that cookware brands have not been speaking to those cultures. I haven't because there is a sense that only Italian culture or French culture will sell. Mm. And the dominant narrative is that, you know, French food, Italian food is highly sophisticated and nuanced and complex. And it is, but so is Mexican food. So is Indian food. Mm. Right. And, and I think for us, it really is about let's celebrate all of our cultures loudly and proudly. Mm. Love that. Let's talk about team expansion. How big is your team now? We're over a hundred people. Wow. Um, I think the best part of my job is getting to work with our amazing team. It gives me a lot of energy. I truly think we have a very unique team, uh, incredibly gifted, incredibly creative, incredibly values driven, also very diverse. We're female led, we're BIPOC led. Um, and a lot of us come from different places, whether that's being an immigrant or being the children of immigrants, we just have a lot of varied experiences at the table. How quickly did that team grow? How did, did it happen in stages or given that the astronomic rise mm. of the business, how was it pretty sudden that you had to start employing? Our team did grow very quickly. We probably went from about 30 people to over 100 in about a year and a half. There was a time where every single day I was either recruiting or interviewing. Um, so there was a lot of growth very quickly, um, which was exciting. And we were able to to build a truly exceptional team. But it's also hard. Mm. You know, you're constantly trying to interview, recruit, and each person who comes in, they, they, they shape your culture. Uh, so you definitely want to do that really thoughtfully and carefully mm. um, and put your all into it. What have been some of the other biggest challenges that you feel you faced as a founder since, I mean, maybe even since the idea came to mind? There's challenges every single day. Um, I think that when you are building something, you know, 95% of startups will fail. Um, less than 2% of all investment capital goes to women founders. So the odds really are stacked against you. Um, and the moment you get any level of success, the competition intensifies. And I'm all for legitimate competition, but the knockoffs intensify, the dupes intensify, the business is an aggressive and, and in, in many ways an unfair world. Um, 
But I think what we have found is if we have a team that uh, works well together, that can lean on each other, if we have a mission that guides us through, and if we truly have a product that people want and love and that makes their lives better, then we can overcome that. So challenges are, are, are every day. I think some of the biggest challenges are against yourself, right? It's that self-doubt, it's confidence, it's imposter syndrome, and really overcoming that inner voice that says, well, who are you to build future generation or the next era of kitchenware? You know, you're, you're just a, a girl from Pakistan who, you know, just had a dream. How do you overcome that voice? I think a lot of a lot of the obstacles for me has really been believing in myself, working through hard things, and continuing to overcome that inner inner voice and that inner critic. How does one overcome that voice? Do you have any advice for that? I think it's always there. It I think it maybe increases or decreases in volume. Um, for me, you know, as a woman raised in a time and place where so many women and girls don't have the opportunities that I've had, there's definitely um, some of that that I will always have to overcome. Uh, but I think one practice that I've embraced is, is understanding that every opportunity that you don't go for is also a no, right? I think that oftentimes we will not ask because we fear rejection, but we don't understand or we don't count all the rejections that came our way because we never had the courage to ask. I also think for me, courage has come from love. I love the business. I love our mission. I love our team. Um, I love what we're building and what we stand for. And as long as that is the motivator, it's easier to overcome that inner critic because if you're at a conference and I want to go up to you and say, hey, will you interview me on your podcast? If it's just about me, maybe that inner voice will say, uh-uh, she doesn't want you on her podcast. You're not that interesting. But if it's now for the business, for the team, the inner voice will say, you came all this way. You owe it to them. You need to, you need to give it a shot because otherwise you're not doing what you came to do for them. And I think that has really helped, that reframing. Almost the stakes being higher motivates you a bit more. The stakes being higher and the stakes not being just about Selfish. myself, mm. but about something and someone mm. that I love. A topic that we're perpetually fascinated by is couples who work together. Mm. How does that dynamic work for you and your husband? It usually works quite well. <laughs> um, we have very different skill sets. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of respect for each other, but we, we certainly have complementary skill sets and we have our lanes. Um, I will say it requires active communication specifically to get a little downtime because, you know, we'll be at home at the end of the day and one of us will start talking about work and the other has to say, uh-uh, can't do this right now. So we've, we've really worked on establishing boundaries. The other thing that happened to us early on was... We were scheduling meetings with everyone else, but not with each other mm. because we live together. Mm. Um, and then we would be at the end of a 12-hour workday at the dinner table 
and start talking about all the things we needed to talk about. So learning to schedule time with each other on our calendars and then learning when it was not okay to talk about work has been really, really helpful. Interesting. What have been or has there been a particular we've made it moment? Well, there's definitely the shiny ones, right? The the millionth um, pan sold, the millionth meal donated, the when Oprah Mag called us a kitchen mm-hmm. magician, when Cameron Diaz and Snoop Dogg used <laughs> our products, when we launched a big collaboration with Selena Gomez. Um, but I think for me, a lot of the the moments that really stay with me are the the smaller moments where we really made someone feel something. So when we would launch our Shabbat collection or our Noruz collection and and someone would write, thank you so much for representing my culture. Thank you for uh, creating content where my children can feel seen. Or when a customer would write in and say that they had bought the Always Pan for their grandmother because she has arthritis and the pan is only three pounds. So it's so easy, so lightweight that even she can use it. Or when a customer wrote in and said that her mother had passed away and she was really missing her and she wanted to cook her favorite recipe, but she didn't think she was a good cook. And then she got the perfect pot and was able to recreate this recipe and and how that filled her with a sense of, of being connected. And so I really do think it is those moments in between that I really remember. Um, but of course the shiny milestones are nice too. <laughs> do you think that your kind of your background in philanthropy and your obviously your obvious kind of real sense of personal mission has been your superpower in all of this? I think so. I think that at the end of the day, this relentless sense of of willing mm. something to exist out of nothing because you believe it should for any entrepreneur is is a superpower and for some people it comes from you know, a chip on their shoulder and wanting to prove their self worth or wanting to make a lot of money and you know those are all those are all things that that are fine. I think for me, I come from a place where so many women and girls around me didn't get to pursue their dreams, and here I am, given all of these opportunities, and I want to make that count and I want to make something of it. Collaborations have been a really cool part of your. Mm. success of your exposure can you just tell me first of all how selena gomez came about like where did that come from well selena is absolutely lovely she also is a really good home cook so in the pandemic she started learning how to cook and she would have chefs around the world call her up on zoom and have them teach her how to cook and she started you know, creating these shows. Now, Selena in Chef is, I believe, on its fourth season. And if you've ever watched the show, uh, it's really lovely and endearing. And what's lovely about it is, A, she's surrounded by her her, her nana, her pops, her friends who are all in quarantine with her initially. And now they just stay together. <laughs> they hang out. They just hang out. Um, but also there is this she embraces the imperfections, right? She sometimes accidentally lights something on fire or, you know, something breaks or burns. And 
she just keeps going and those things are not edited out because that is cooking. Cooking is messy and it's imperfect. And so many of the images we have been showed are perfect tables, perfect meals by perfect people, you know, competitions on television where chefs are racing against a clock to make the most complicated thing. That's not what cooking is. And so we wanted to show this real and flawed and imperfect and messy reality of cooking. Uh, and then finally, um, cooking for a lot of folks is a source of mental health, right? People, a lot of people will go home and they will cook a meal and they will make something with their hands and it will make them feel more grounded. And Selena has done a lot of work around mental health. So we partnered to create these collections and then donated 10% of the net profits to um, mental health services for young people uh, because cooking and mental health, I think, are very closely tied. How does something like that come about? Do you just reach out and say, hey, do you want to collab? Is it that simple? Kind of. You probably won't get directly to <laughs> Selena. You'll probably I, I get, <laughs> you'll yeah. probably get, you know, a few layers removed. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually we were connected to her management who, like her, are, are lovely and delightful and um, you know, it was very high stakes. We were only two years old when this happened. So a lot of pressure to get it right, but it's been really just such a lovely collaboration. We've now launched two lines of cookware with her, beautiful colors. And then, uh, we just launched a beautiful apron with her. Is that uh, the apron? I've just had a sneak peek. Yes. I it's mean, you're, forget pants you are an apron disruptor like that we is think so we think so and you know I just I have this memory of just you know having people over walking into the kitchen wearing a frumpy apron mm -hmm. the apron hasn't been redesigned since the 16th or like some century like barbecue dad apron right. vibes yeah I'm just feeling like a loss of power mm. and like I don't want it there, there's two ways to be in the kitchen right women have been in the kitchen without power, without agency, very often. My mother had to be in the kitchen. That's why she never taught me to cook because her experience of it was not empowering. And for me, I chose to do it. I had a choice in that decision and it was very empowering. And so the apron, I think, you know, on the one hand, it's just a fun, beautiful apron. On the other hand, I put it on and I feel a sense of power and agency in the mm -hmm. kitchen. I'm choosing to cook. I'm choosing to host. I feel beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm inspired and that's how we design every single product is mm. for that sense of power and inspiration. It's it's almost like putting on your pearls, isn't it? It's the, yeah. the equivalent or putting on your pair of heels to go into a meeting, like it readies you. Yeah, or like, you know, a great blazer with some shoulder pads. Yeah, totally. or, you know, I, I say a great pair of yoga pants makes you want to work out. Mm. A great piece of cookware, a beautiful apron, mm. it, it makes you want to cook. And like, also you could just wear it as a dress. So happy I think days. so, yeah. <laughs> Before we go, can I ask you about tips for success? What is the best advice that you've received along your journey? And two-part question, what is what is the advice that you always offer up to, to budding entrepreneurs? I would say the best advice that I offer to entrepreneurs is to do something where the pain and the struggle that you have to endure is worth it where mm. the sense of joy and meaning is deep because it will be a very hard journey uh, the odds are that it will not be a success mm. um, and and you'll probably have to grapple with 
um, a lot and, and oftentimes on your own. Uh, so that is all worth it if you're driven by a sense of meaning, purpose that is bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the best advice that I've ever received is, is simply to build a life that, that I would be proud of and to not make myself small, to not make my dreams small. I think very often we we look at other people and and think, well, I could never do what what she did, right? She's so pretty, so smart, so successful, so rich, so whatever, right? Um, but very often I found that the difference between those who build things and those who don't is just that sense of self belief and self worth and saying, well, let's give it let's give it a try. And and most of the times in life when I've shown up it's led to something better. Not always what I thought it would lead to. And the journey has not been linear, uh, but it's definitely led me to places that I, I wouldn't have dreamed of when I was younger. What's your hope for the business? My hope for the business is that we get a lot of people cooking and sharing meals. I want to see you know generations of children who are raised with more home-cooked food. I really believe that... Uh, the decline in in cooking at home, in gathering at home, is is at the root of of so much disconnection and loneliness and isolation and and sickness. Um, and so, just the simple act of of cooking at home and sharing a meal, I hope more people get to experience that. Um, I hope that we get to continue giving back, uh, whether that is our work in food justice and, and fighting hunger or innovating on sustainable and clean solutions in the category. Shiza, thank you so much. I feel so inspired from talking to you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. I had so much fun chatting with you. As you've already mentioned, you can shop everything, the entire collection at fromourplace.co.uk. We'll put all the links in the notes below. Um, Thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, a tool, please do email podcast at sherlux.com. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.